Hi, I'm Manika Raman-Wilms, and you're listening to The Decibel from The Globe and Mail. Most of the country is in the sixth wave of the pandemic. In Ontario, wastewater data suggests that 100,000 to 120,000 people in the province are getting COVID every day. That's more than at any other point in the pandemic. As cases surge, this was the advice from Ontario's chief public health officer, Dr. Kieran Moore. He spoke on Monday. COVID-19 transmission increases. Getting a booster dose if you are eligible, and especially if you are at high risk, is very important. It's your best defense against severe illness, hospitalization, and death. Booster doses save lives. If you've not- even though 80% of Canadians have two doses, not even half of us have that third shot. So what's different when it comes to the booster? I think it's almost a victim of its own success because now that we know the vaccine is not protecting against infection as well, people are sort of saying, well, then, you know, I had my my two doses, so I'm fine. The vaccines don't even work anyway. The Globe's health reporter, Carly Weeks, is back on the show today. She'll help us understand why fewer people are getting boosted, how that third shot can help, and how many more times we might need to get a vaccine. This is The Decibel. Carly, it's great to see you again. Thank you for being here. Oh, it's nice to be here, as always. So parts of the country right now, we're experiencing a sixth wave of the pandemic. A a lot of people seem to be getting infected right now, too. But at the same time, things are more open. So there seems to be a bit of a contradiction. We can go to restaurants. There are no more mask mandates. What's happening here, Carly? Why are we seeing that kind of contradiction? I think what we're really seeing here is the um, complete and total exhaustion from the general public in dealing with this. The pandemic is certainly not over, and we can just see that by the number of cases and infections. Things have changed remarkably. I mean, we have treatments, we have vaccines. Um, so I think that people feel more protected, and they feel as though maybe for them, this pandemic is over. But for many, many people out there, this is still very real. It's affecting their their everyday life. Um, there's people who have um, immune compromising conditions that have to be very careful. The, the elderly, who we know are at greater risk, um, young children who aren't yet eligible for vaccination. Um, and there's also, you know, in that equation, healthy adults who could get a COVID infection and become very sick, sick enough to be hospitalized and die. So I think that, you know, politicians have recognized that people are kind of tired of this and that they're kind of going with what a lot of loud voices are saying, which is open everything up, drop mask mandates. The unfortunate thing is that this is likely exacerbating the ongoing wave that we're seeing right now. It's not necessarily a direct cause, but it's certainly not helping get us out of this. And, you know, while we do hear every day from politicians that we have hospital capacity to handle this, I think we have to ask ourselves, is this really about, you know, allowing enough people to get sick enough to not overwhelm our hospitals or should we be doing more to protect the public? You mentioned vaccination is is a big part of the conversation here. At this point of the pandemic, two years on, what is the role of vaccination? Vaccines have played an enormous role in getting us here, getting us to a point where we are kind of resuming some level of normalcy. 
things have shifted because we now have a variant on our hands that can evade a lot of the vaccine protectiveness against infection. And I say infection because the vaccines are still doing a remarkable job at protecting against severe illness. So, you know, when the first studies came out of the mRNA vaccines, that those are the most successful vaccines, the Pfizer and Moderna mRNA vaccines, when those clinical trials came out, I think it was sometime last year, and then we had vaccines shortly after, it was pretty incredible to have a vaccine that was, you know, 95% effective at preventing infection and severe illness. And no one thought it would be as successful as it was. And I think it's almost a victim of its own success. Because now that we know the vaccine is not protecting against infection as well, people are sort of saying, well, then, you know, I had my my two doses, so I'm fine. The vaccines don't even work anyway. When in fact, they work very, very well. And I think that we need some better messaging about what the vaccines can and can't do. The messaging is definitely a key point that we will will come back to. But let's get a kind of the lay of the land of what we're we're looking at here. We spoke to you four months ago when these third doses were being rolled out uh, across Canada for the general population. How many Canadians actually ended up rolling their sleeves and getting that third shot? Not not enough. So the older groups had much have much um, higher uptake of booster doses, or you know what we're calling third doses. For younger people who are eligible for a booster dose, because not everyone has been eligible, in some age groups, it's it's well under half. And then in, depending where you look in a various parts of the population, it's going to be even lower than that. Hmm. So this, I mean, the big question in all of this then is, why aren't people getting the shot that they're eligible for? Why are we not seeing this happening? I think that a large part of this is that um, public faith in the vaccines have kind of been um, diminished because we keep seeing headlines and hearing that the vaccines don't work so well anymore. Um, when in fact, the message needs to be much more clear that we know from research that immunity will start to wane. And even though the vaccines right now aren't very good at preventing against infection, they are very good at keeping you from becoming severely ill. But over time, the more we're learning is that those severe outcomes, the risk starts to go up the longer it's been since your last vaccination. And that's particularly true for older groups and more at-risk groups. Maybe you can help us break down exactly what that benefit of that booster dose is. So either that third shot or the, the fourth shot now, potentially. How much more protected is someone with that extra dose of vaccine? It depends on, you know, what studies you look at and the numbers and things like that. But after, you know, say the four to six month mark in general, that's when you start to see the immunity wane from severe outcomes. So um, now that Omicron is the dominant variant, the vaccines are not really stopping transmission. They do stop transmission to an extent in vaccinated people. So if I'm vaccinated and I get Omicron, I'm less likely to pass it to you than if I was unvaccinated. However, there is still a chance of passing it on, especially with the BA2 subvariant. So without making this overly complicated, I think that in a nutshell, the more boosters you get, according to the, the research, if you're eligible for a first booster shot, your risk of severe illness goes down. Then now that time has passed, and say you're elderly, you're more at risk, that second booster shot does appear to give you that bump up in protection against severe illness again. A study from the New England Journal of Medicine came out last week with a lot of fanfare, and a lot of the headlines said second booster shots in you know seniors don't work very well against protecting, you know, against infection, and that, you know, after a couple of weeks, immunity wanes. And I think that what we really need to say is that second booster shots remarkably successful at keeping people out of the hospital. 
So it seems like a lot of this is kind of coming down to the messaging, as you say. Is there any place in Canada, any jurisdiction that's kind of done this messaging better than others that we could look to maybe as an example? Toronto has done a fairly remarkable job throughout uh, its vaccination campaign, really tailoring things to the communities that are in need. So they had a really unique rollout for the kids vaccine where they had like superhero selfie stations um, for people who are in vulnerable, marginalized communities. They're having like mobile vans going out to people where they live because there's a lot of people who, you know, focused on just trying to get to and from their jobs and they don't have even time to go and book an appointment and get to a clinic. So Toronto has had a lot of success in getting people vaccinated. I think they have fairly high rates of acceptance and uptake of booster shots across a lot of the population. Still not as high as, you know, first and second doses, but still they have been a leader throughout. Uh, But I, I certainly think more work needs to be done. For a long time, we thought of this idea of being fully vaccinated as having those two doses. That's what our vaccine certificates were always based on, right? So is the definition of fully vaccinated, has that changed now? It has changed and it's really outdated to say two doses is fully vaccinated. But again, you know, a lot of our public health communication and recommendations, they sometimes do take time to catch up. I think that even to say three doses is fully vaccinated is not necessarily accurate anymore. And, you know, I think we're at a place where a lot of us have some immunity now. That's great. Some people have chosen not to be vaccinated. Um, they don't have that same immunity if they've never been infected. You know, the good, I guess, news of this is that we don't necessarily need to, you know, say I'm fully vaccinated to go into a restaurant anymore. Or, you know, I've had two shots. But I think the question then becomes over the long term, you know, what does this look like for immunity for the population? Because if, if we're still emphasizing two shots or three, you know, we're going to have a problem in a year when immunity really does start to wane and we need to get more and more people signed up for, you know, annual shots or every six months. So I think it, we need to update our definitions and think more long term about what that immune status is going to look like. And if you're someone who's already had COVID, specifically Omicron, when that big wave hit uh, kind of around December, can you get Omicron again? Mm-hmm. This is something that has become a greater source of um, scrutiny and research. It looks as though it's possible. I think that there's still a lot of questions about, is that going to cause you to become very sick? I think there's been some anecdotal reports of people saying, well, I had it a few months ago. I have it again. I feel terrible. But I think by and large, what we're hearing from research, and again, it's still early and things are evolving. We don't quite know, um, is that you will have some level of protection for some time. And if you do get sick again, you're likely not going to get as, as sick or as severely sick. Similar to what we know about other viruses and other versions of COVID, you do get some level of protection. Your immune system does start to kick in. But again, that comes down to why we keep hearing from health officials, why it's so important if you've had COVID, still get your shots in time for them. You know, you want to wait a certain amount of time after an infection to get a vaccination. But because there's still some questions about some people becoming sick several months later, the better idea is just to err on the side of caution and be up to date on those vaccines. And is there a recommended time after you have had COVID before you can actually get that next dose? We're generally talking about, I think, sort of that two-month window or three-month window, depending, um, where after you have an infection, you can then go and get that booster shot. And I think it will depend on your age and, and all of those other kinds of things. The tricky part of all of that is that it's very difficult for a lot of people to even confirm they've had 
a COVID infection now because, you know, not many people are eligible for those PCR tests, those gold standard PCR tests, and the rapid tests can be so unreliable. So a lot of people, you know, they may not even know they had COVID and it's not necessarily dangerous to go out and get vaccinated, but the general thinking is that it's the safest I bet to wait in particular because there are certain age groups where we know there, there are, are risks, rare, but real risks of heart inflammation after vaccination. I'm just curious about side effects. A lot of us had really bad side effects with these COVID vaccines. Can we expect that all the time with these with these shots? <sighs> That can deter a lot of people from getting booster shots. I don't want to be in bed for another two days with side effects. One thing that we do know about, um, you know, the immune system and how sophisticated it is, is that every time you're going to be introduced to this inactive vaccine, your immune system is already going to have some level of recognition there. So theoretically, you could argue that the level of side effects should go down with time. We should probably address the fact that in Canada, we're talking about our third and fourth booster doses. There's lots of places in the world where people haven't even seen a first dose of vaccine. And we know this is really important because if we're going to get this pandemic under control, we have to think about all these other places in the world where variants are are developing, too. So should we be focused, maybe not so much on our own vaccines, but in getting these vaccines elsewhere? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, Canada is is swimming in vaccine, and and the fact that we're having you know trouble getting people to take theirs is is such a you know first world problem. So around the world, there is such a disparity in you know poor nations, low income nations, vulnerable people, healthcare workers not even getting vaccines in so many countries around the world. Africa bearing the brunt of a lot of this. Time and time again, this is how we see public health emergencies unfold. And yes, we don't. We're just not thinking of the world as a community anymore. And, you know, in the early days of the pandemic, we often heard we're in this together. But, you know, we're clearly not. And you know, no one wants to hear this. No one wants to even talk about it. But the best way to, to keep us in a good situation is to start thinking more globally and protecting as many people as possible. And is there any work being done to develop a more universal vaccine that can target various strains? The challenge with the COVID vaccine is that the vaccines target the spike protein. It's like this, you know, that pointy part of the virus that we've all seen too many pictures of at this point. And so that was sort of the target to try and have antibodies that can target that part of the cell. And what's happened with Omicron is that it's just changed. The spike protein has changed so much that our old vaccines are kind of not as good at recognizing it. So you could argue that a new vaccine that is targeting the specific spike protein on the Omicron variant could work again really well and be sort of, quote, universal, but only until the next variant comes along. Getting a universal COVID vaccine, I think, will be in another way, will, will be a greater challenge, maybe a little bit trickier to do. That doesn't mean that's not it's not going to happen, but I think it would be a bigger endeavor. And like, you know, they've been trying to do that for so long with the flu uh, vaccine. And it's just it's really, really hard to do. I know it's hard to predict the future, but I I wonder what you're hearing from experts about what they're saying we we can expect going forward with COVID-19 shots. Will we have to get a booster every few months? Is that going to be kind of what's necessary? That is a a hot point of debate right now. And there's different schools of thought. You know, some people who do think it's going to be you know, very regular. Others who say, you know, it's going to be maybe yearly. But I think the consensus overall is that there will be a regular 
push to get people vaccinated. And, you know, maybe it's going to be annual, maybe it's, um, you know, seasonal, depending on, you know, how things start to unfold. We're getting to a place where I don't want to say this is predictable yet. Um, we're still in a pandemic, so it's not very predictable. But you can see that the evolution of this virus and how things have changed so far, you can just see that we're getting to a place where the smart bet is on getting boosted every so often. It might be six months, it might be eight to 12. I think that one of the challenges right now for a lot of health experts is figuring out what that timing is going to look like because we're in a wave right now. People are talking about getting boosted and then we may need to get boosted again in the fall. We likely will because that's when everyone heads back inside and viruses take off. So much like the annual flu shot, I think we're going to start to see something like this, but hopefully we have much better uptake of, you know, an annual COVID shot than the flu shot. And, you know, not to sort of belabor the point, but you know, for many years, we have simply accepted that, you know, thousands of people will die as a result of the flu. And before COVID came along, that's exactly what happened in Canada. And, you know, not enough people, like well under half in many years of Canadians who are eligible get their flu shot. A lot of people get sick. And there's a push now to say, we don't need to go back to that version of normal. Maybe we do need to think about a new version of normal where we're getting flu shots, getting COVID shots on time. Maybe we're wearing masks in certain settings indoors to prevent people from getting sick. Um, we don't need to go back to accepting a certain level of illness and disease and death in the community. We can do better at protecting ourselves and others. Carly, thank you so much for taking the time to go through this with us. It's great as always to be here. Thank you. That's it for today. I'm Manika Raman-Wilms. Our producers are Madeline White and Cheryl Sutherland. David Crosby edits the show. Kasia Mihailovich is our senior producer, and Angela Pachenza is our executive editor. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>